We're going to start a new series. It's going to go over the next few weeks called Crossing Over, where we're going to look at what does it look like for us to embrace the mission and vision that God has for us. What does it look like for us to embrace the promises and the calls that God has on our life? And so we're going to read today out of Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Um, Some of you don't know, but as a church body here, we stand and we're going to read this together because it is good to hear the word of God. Thanks, sweetheart. We're going to stand together and read Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 out loud together. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to... from the right hand or the left, so that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have given us your word to inform us, to equip us, to show us your ways. And God, I thank you that you have shown us that you are establishing something in this church body. God, I thank you that you are establishing something in the hearts and the lives of every person in this room, every adult and every child, God, that you are, you are building something here. And you are calling us up, God, to fall in line with your command and to hold tightly to your promises. So God, I pray that you would capture our hearts by your spirit, that we would, we would receive the call to walk by faith, that we would receive the call to build by your strength and we would stand on the promise of your presence with us forever. God, we thank you that we can say with Joshua that you are with us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us. Jesus, we pray all these things in your mighty and matchless name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. I love the Old Testament because you have these amazing pictures 
of, of pretty, pretty funny and, and interesting, just interesting stories. I mean, here we have Joshua, and, and he is with the Israelites, and, and Moses is dead. And, and those three words, Moses is dead, that is a, that's a defining moment for the Israelites. Moses had spent 40 years with these people. And he had been laboring with them to try and bring them into all that God had called them into. And towards the end of it, as Moses is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, right, bringing them out of bondage and into slavery, they continue to to buck against his leadership, to press against his leadership. He has this moment of weakness, this moment of frustration, and, and they're complaining and asking, and he bangs on a rock when he was supposed to just call out water and God says in a moment, nope, can't do that. You have to hold my name in holiness. And because of that act, and because of the way that, that Moses responded, we see in, in Deuteronomy that, that he isn't able to go into the wilderness, or not into the wilderness, into the promised land. And so we see in, in Deuteronomy 34, it's recorded, then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo. This is right before the scene that we just, that we just had. And now just try to imagine you're, you're, you're in the movie. This is not, these aren't words. Paint a picture in your mind. If you have to close your eyes, do that. Just don't fall asleep. Um, then Moses went up from the plains of, the, of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. He's looking over at Jericho. There's the, the there's Jordan River. He's, he's facing west. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim, Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Western Sea. There's the Mediterranean. He, he's seeing it all. The Negev, Negev, the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he was buried, and they, and they buried him. He buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, op- opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial. Moses was 120 years old when, his di- when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated, and the people of Israel wept for Moses for 30 days. Verse 9, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit and wisdom, for Moses had, Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did all as... The Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses is dead. The leader of this people, a man wise and powerful and strong. He didn't die of, of old age. He didn't die of weakness. He didn't die of failure. He died because that was his time according to God. And Joshua has to step into his shoes of leadership in this moment of transition. Now, Mo- Moses had trained this young man who is now not so young, but he, he was a young assistant. Who, who, is, who is Moses? He's, he's the assistant of Moses. Uh, not who is Moses. Who is Joshua? Joshua is the assistant of Moses. We see that in Exodus 33 and Numbers eleven twenty eight that he was with Moses even at an early age. When, when Moses would go to the tabernacle and, and spend time there, Joshua would be right at the entrance and kind of looking in to see all the amazing things that God was doing, this interaction between 
God and, and Moses, so, so much so that, that the face of Moses was, was unbearably bright. And it says that, that Joshua couldn't tear himself away from the tent, the place where God's presence had been. He was one of the 12 who spied the promised land. Moses had sent out 12 different spies, one from every uh, tribe of Israel, to, to see this promised land, to scout it out and see what was going on. And, and Joshua was one of those. And he, in fact, he was one, as they came back, he was owner of only two who were filled with faith. The other Ted said, there are, there are giants, we can't take this place, it's, it's dangerous. But what did, what did Joshua say? You know what? God has a plan for us. God has said he's got a plan. He has a word. We can take this territory. And he was a military leader who led in a number of different things, but especially a battle against the Amalekites. I don't, you may be familiar with the story, but they're fighting the Amalekites as they, as they exodus, as they leave, and they're, they're approaching the promised land. And uh, Moses is, is on a mountaintop looking down at the, the, the battle, Joshua is at the head of the battle. He's, he's fighting the battle, but it's interesting that, that every time that Moses' hands are up, representing God's presence and his power, they're winning. But, but as his arms get tired, they begin to lose ground. And so we see this, this picture of there's, there's a fight, there's a battle happening, but then spiritually speaking, Moses is superintending this and, and the elders are around lifting him up, sitting. They literally bring a stool. Come sit down on the stool. You don't have to stand up. And, and they're holding his arm up. Their arms are up. And as long as, as God is, is being lifted up, they win this battle. And in that moment, Joshua gets a picture of what it looks like to fight for God. Now, surely he was swinging his sword. He was fighting his enemies. He was doing everything he could do, and yet it was not him who was decisive in the victory. It was what? God. It was God himself. Joshua, this Joshua, who had seen God move, who had been trained by one of God's faithful servants, he was facing the promised land. He was facing this obstacle, minor obstacle of the Jordan River. I don't know if you've ever just gone to the Potomac River and said, I'm going to just cross over without, I mean, there's, there, you don't want to go in the, in the Potomac River because snakefish, it's not a thing. Um, but you don't just walk over the Potomac. You have to go on a ferry. You have to get in a boat. You have to do something. There has to be a means by which you do this. And yet God says to Joshua, arise. Moses is dead, arise, go, go ahead, just go over. There's such a, a, a simple, this is what you're going to do type language that God uses. You know, I think the reason that I'm going through this is because I think it's so representative of where we are as a people. We have faced a number of different challenges. We are well into the world of COVID. New normal is not new anymore. We're, we're wearing masks. Some of us aren't. Some of us are. I don't even notice anymore. I'm a mask and not a mask. Do we have a mask? You know, it used to be when you left the house, you know, do you have your keys? Do you have your wallet? Do you have your this? Now it's like, do you have your mask, kid? Do you have your mask, kid? Do you have your mask, kid? And then we get ready and then, where's your mask? Go get your mask. And then we get in the car and, well, good thing we have spare masks. <laughs> 
It's, it's new and it's different. Some of us have lost loved ones or coworkers because of this. Some of us have experienced difficulty because of losing jobs. Some of us have experienced challenges in our, in our relationships. The pressure has been on. And I think most of us have gone through, through this roller coaster of, I can do this, I can't do this, I can do this, I can't do this. And in many ways, individually, we're at a bit of a Jordan River. And we're saying, I, God, I need your help here. I know that you're calling me into this. I know that you're calling me into faithfulness in my marriage. I know that you're calling into gracious, kind, and disciplined parenting. I know that you're calling me into integrity at my job. I know that you're calling me into stepping out in faith in this is it new endeavor to start a nonprofit. I know that you're calling me into these things, but God, what's come before has been very difficult. Moses is dead. I'm not, I'm not sure of my ability to lead in this circumstance. I'm not sure of our ability to follow in this circumstance. I mean, as a church, we've gone from a lot of people in this room to COVID. And I remember, I remember it starting to roll down. And I was like, that'll probably be done in about two weeks. I, I was not watching the news at the time. I was like, well, that's weird, whatever. I was like, they shut down school. Okay, weeks and weeks, and then, oh, we need, to, we, need to, we need to adjust the way we do church. And then, as, as some of the memes said, and then we were all televangelists. <laughs> <laughs> we laughed, but that was the thing, and I was preaching to a camera. And I was so thankful that you were on, on the other side of the camera, but it wasn't church. It wasn't something where we were sitting next to each other, where we were connecting with one another. And if you're online, I, I love you, and I hope that you will be able to come and be in person. But if you're not in person because of convenience, let me let you know that you're missing out on what church is. If you're, if you're away because of health reasons, and, and there's, there's always extenuating circumstances that God has grace for. But we weren't doing church. And, and, I, and I've, we've come to a place now where we're, we're doing church, we're reconnecting, I'm seeing old faces almost as new faces, and we're facing a bit of a Jordan where I, I have a sense that God is taking us into a new season. I, I have a sense that God wants to, to grow Grace Covenant Church Sterling and Grace Covenant Church at large, both in terms of maturity, spirit-empowered ministry, numbers. He wants to gather people in. He wants to see the lost saved. He wants to see the, the poor and the downtrodden and the widow cared for. He wants to see his ministry done and we're right there. God has brought us to this point. You, you realize that, that the, the, the funny thing about the Israelites and sometimes we're like, well, those dumb Israelites, they, they complained when they were in bondage so God said, okay, I'll take care of that. Um, Moses, go get him out of bondage, and he does these amazing things. I mean, frogs and, and locusts and blood water and, I mean, things that you shouldn't forget, right? The plagues. And then they get into the wilderness, and what do they do? They complain that they don't have onions. We had onions. 
We had amazing, you were, you were in slavery, you complained about it, and God did amazing things that are really undeniable that, that no one should just forget and be like, I mean, are we serving a great God? I don't know. I miss onions. <laughs> but we laugh because it's ridiculous, but we have our own onions. And so we see that, that God brings them out of slavery into the wilderness through this process of sanctification, through this process of really culling. He, he's taken the people, who, and, and the believers were the ones who stayed, and the unbelievers were the ones who died. And they, they, they have reached this point through great difficulty. And it was God who superintended that process. And family, we have reached this point through great difficulty because God has brought us to this point. God is not a, the author of evil, but however you want to phrase it, God uses evil within his sovereign plan. He uses pestilence. He uses suffering. He doesn't just wake up and say, oh no, I was asleep, what happened? What a mess. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to help here and do this. and the, Right? He, he doesn't do that. He has, do you know that he has one decree? A decree is something where God commands in, in, in a sovereign way. Not the commands of like, ten, do this, don't do this. But he's got a decree in the sense of, of this is what's going to happen. He, had, he, he, he set that decree out, and that's what's been happening since creation. That's what we're experiencing now. There's, there's not been anything that's happened in all of history, whether it was Israel or it's with us in COVID, where God has been like, ah, that wasn't part of the plan. Sorry, guys. No, it's all been part of the plan. God has brought us to this place. So the question is, what are we to do now that we're here? What are we to do now that we're here? Well, we see that Joshua gets two things. He gets a call to follow, and he gets a promise to hold. It's a call to follow and a promise to hold. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I'm giving them, to the people of Israel. He gives them a call, and it's, a, it's an audacious call. It's an impossible call. It's a crazy call. I'm, I'm, I'm the father of three children, and they're amazing and, and relatively obedient children, but it is difficult sometimes to get them from one place to another because it's three people plus me and different ideas and plans, and, and it's, you know, it's, and even when they were younger, it was even harder because they were fast and they, they weren't as, you know, responsible, and they, and they would do things I knew that they shouldn't. It was just kind of like, what am I doing here? You know, that was, that was three kids. You know, me and my wife, we were trying to make it happen with three kids, and, and here Joshua is. He's, okay, just go ahead, you know, in about five minutes, just go do that. And he looks back, and he sees a bajillion kids. I mean, that's, that's what the Israelites were. I mean, they were knuckleheads. Now, again, many of the knuckleheads, for better or worse, died, according to God's judgment. But they were still in, in a situation where he had to lead, and leading is convincing people to do things they wouldn't otherwise do and making them believe it's a good idea. Leadership is hard. He had a call. 
He goes on and he says, not only should you go over, but you need, you're going to need to make sure that you keep this word of God close. Be strong and courageous, being careful to do all according, do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is according, or do according to all that is written in it. This is why I have this Bible here every week. And I love this Bible. It's a beautiful Bible. It's very fancy. Highland goatskin. Somewhere in Scotland, a goat died for this Bible. Um, but it's, you know, it's necessary. It's not necessary. <laughs> but I, I, I have this up here because I want us to have a visual representation of what we need to have in our hearts, in our lives, in front of us every day. And if I shake my phone at you, you're just going to think that's weird. Also, if I shake my phone at you, you might be tempted to go on TikTok. There's no TikTok on here. Although it does talk about the devil. God called Joshua to to lead the people of Israel and do audacious, impossible things and to do it according to the word, the word that had been spoken. If you don't have this word, if you aren't knowing this word, if you aren't reading this word, you can't do the audacious, powerful, impossible things that God has called you to. You have been called, husbands, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. That is an impossible, audacious command. Wives, you've been called to respect your husbands. That's oftentimes an impossible, audacious command. Children, you've been called to love and obey your parents, to honor your parents. That is a difficult, that is a hard thing. But God makes it possible, kids. People, God has called you to live lives of integrity where you shine as light in the darkness, that you are a preserving salt in the decaying world, that when you go to work, there is something about your presence, your language, your demeanor that suggests that something is different in your life. You've been called to an audacious, impossible task. Capitol Hill, you've been called to an audacious, impossible task. Sterling, we've been called to an audacious, impossible task. Route 7 goes a long way. I've looked. Winchester is a far away place. I'm surprised it's not in West Virginia. It might be annexed. And it goes far east as well. Slowly. God has called us to follow birth corporately and personally. Family, he is establishing his church, but you know what? He's called us to be a part of that establishment. He's called us to be a part of that process. He's called us to go what? Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, observe all that I've commanded. That is a command that he gave to the church that gets to trickle down to you and me so that we go to work on Monday and we face Bill or, 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 or Sally and, and we want to say, I don't like you, you have coffee breath, you're mean, and God says you need to love them and you need to tell them about me. Audacious, impossible tasks. Some of you, you have children, they're wayward. 
They've, they've, they've gone away. You've got family members who have gone away, and God's calling you to pray and believe and hope upon hope upon hope. God's calling you to look at your circumstances with eyes of faith. Right? You look at your circumstances, and you're like, it's a dumpster fire. And God says, no, it is me working through it. He's called us to follow both personally and corporately. So what are we to do? How do we do that? Well, he doesn't just give a call to follow. He gives us a promise to hold. He says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your feet will tread, I have given to you. Every place that you will go, Joshua, I have already given to you. It's done in my mind. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, and he goes on to describe the places, it shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You know how you know that that's going to happen? You have to stand before men. That was a promise, but it was a promise that Joshua was going to have to walk in. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land. You're going to cause the people to inherit the land. And then he gives this promise. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Earlier in, in Deuteronomy, Moses was preparing Joshua, and he said nearly the same words to him. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That, that's why I think why in verse 9, God says, have I not commanded you? Don't you remember those words that I said to you, Joshua, through my servant Moses? Be strong and courageous because I am with you. And as, as amazing as Moses was and as amazing as God's presence in this, this uh, moment in the history of God's redemption was, and it was amazing, we have, we have something even better because Jesus has come Jesus has lived a perfect life that you and I should have left. He died on the cross for our sins in our place, paving the way for our success, paving the way for our sanctification, paving the way for our victory, paving the way for us to, to walk in his purposes and to stand up and rise up to the call that he has for our life. And then what? And then he sends his Holy Spirit who now dwells within us. His Holy Spirit who is his present presence with us. Jesus promises in Matthew 28, I will be with you to the ends of the age. That's a long time. I'm not going to live to the ends of the age, but God's going to be with me to the ends of the age. Family, God is with you. I, I love the picture. The Old Testament, guys, you got to read the Old Testament. Uh, there's, a, there's a story of these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, um, they, if you've ever watched Veggie Tales or you went to VBS, you know all about this story. They, they go into exile with, with Daniel, really good guys, love the Lord, they serve him. Um, I think it's Nebuchadnezzar says, you guys got to worship me. And they're like, we can't do that. And he's like, well, then I'm going to throw you into a really big, you know, fireplace. It's gas powered, it's very hot, you'll love it. Um, and they said, you know what, God's going to save us, but if he doesn't work, I mean, these guys were they're serious business. I mean, they're the kind of guys you're like, I kind of want to hang out with you. They're like, God can save us. But if he doesn't, like I need a mic right now. Don't give me one. But uh, if he doesn't, 
We're still going to serve him. Mic drop. And so they don't worship, and they get thrown into the fire, and the mic is still dropped because they don't burn up. And in fact, the guys who are trying to put them in the fire, they themselves are emulated. They're, they're, they're gone. And what, what do they see when they look in? They see three guys and what? One guy. God was with them in the fire. That is intended to be a picture for your life now. Some of you, you feel like you're in a spiritual fire. You got more month than you have money. You got, you got more, more problems in your relationships than you have relationships. And you feel alone. You feel isolated. And the enemy is lying and saying, you are the only one. And what is God saying? I am with you. Capitol Hill, you're going to have moments where you're going to feel, and this is not a curse, this is just welcome to life, um, you're going to feel like maybe you're alone. Maybe, maybe this was not the right call for my life. And you need to hear this promise, I am with you. And you need to remind one another. God said he's with us. It doesn't feel like he's with us, but God said he's with us. We tell our circumstances, circumstances, God says that he's with me. God has promised to be with us. He's promised to, to care for us. In Matthew chapter 16, we see this moment where Peter is talking to Jesus with the disciples. And it says that when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say uh, Jeremiah, or, you know, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but what do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, on this revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, Peter, you're going to build this church. Peter ends up being kind of a serious dude, pretty important, one of the pillars of the church. But the foundation of the church is Christ. Family, God is building our church. God is building our church. When you, when you look around, you're like, where is everyone? God is building our church. When you come into interrelational conflict with other people in the church and you're like, how are we going to make it through? God is building our church. Capitol Hill, God is building your church. This is a moment that you write in your journal for the other moments where you ask yourself, God, what are you doing? Doing? And he's going to say to you, I'm building my church. Paul, writing to the Philippians, one of the congregations that he loved because they were so faithful in their giving and in their support of him, he says this in verse, or chapter 1, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always in every prayer of mine for, for you, making all my prayers with joy because of your partnership 
in the gospel from the first day until now. Their partnership with him, which was a financial partnership, and it was a, it was a material partnership, and I don't, I don't say that because I'm trying to raise funds, but I say that because they were literally putting their money where their mouth was. We believe in you, Paul. We believe in your, your gospel ministry. We believe in what you're doing. Oh, oh yeah? Yes, here's some money. Here, here's some of my livelihood. Here's some of my resources to show you how much I believe in what you're doing. I thank my God because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, certainly that has personal implications, right? He's going to bring my personal life and all the things that he's doing in my personal life to completion at the day of Christ. But he was speaking to a church, right? And so there was a corporate sense that God was going to finish what he started in Philippi that he was going to continue to establish this body, to establish this congregation. Sterling, God is going to establish this congregation. He's going to use you in the context of this congregation to accomplish his mission, to make disciples, to win the city, to, to win the Route 7 corridor. Capital City, he is establishing you, and he's going to finish what he is now starting. Pastor Mark knows, because he's, he, he's, he's on the other side of some of this. But some of you, you're right at the beginning and you need to write this down. Philippians 1.6, God, you're going to finish what you started. So where were we? Joshua, he's at the beginning of his leadership moment. God had brought them to the Jordan. They could see Jericho. They could see this walled, fortified city that God was going to bring down. He's spoken to Joshua. He's given him a call. You need to take these people and go. You need to cross over. But he didn't say, you know what, you go, I'll meet you on the other side. And he said, I'm with you. And Joshua knew what it looked like for God to be with him. It meant hard work, but it meant victory. When he was fighting the Amalekites, it was hard work. He was seeing some of his men getting hurt. He was seeing the, the, the enemies coming up against them. And then he would see Moses raising his hands and then the victory happening. That as he worked, as he used his muscles, as they screamed at him, as he was sweating and maybe bleeding, as he was laboring, God was working. He was called to do this. He was given a promise, I will be with you. Family, one final text. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul tells us, we are his workmanship created for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We're his craft. God is in, in the people making business. He crafts and creates people for a purpose to make them into something. He's making you individually into something, uh, uh, an amazing tool. <laughs> I've been painting a lot. Uh, we, we've been doing some work on our house and been doing a lot of painting. And, you know, I'd gone into Sherwin-Williams and, and uh, they have all these tools. Some of them you're like, that can't be a real thing. You know, it's like... Like there's one, it's like a, it's a, it's a brush extender, 
So it's like for holding a brush, but you clip it onto this thing and then you put it on pole and try to edge with that. Not a good idea. Don't bite that. I don't think that'll work. But he had, there, there was this other thing. It was like a 10-in-1 painter's tool. And it had like a, a roller cleaner and uh, a nail setter and a bottle opener and an, and an edge and a, uh, a Phillips head screwdriver and a flathead screwdriver. All these things. And it was an amazing tool. And I love that thing. And it's got, a, it's got an end on the other side. It's really heavy, so you can, like, slam down the, the paint buckets or the, the, the lid onto the can. I mean, it is, it is a real, like, it's the, it's, I buy it, 1099, 1-800, paint tool. I mean, it, it's the real deal. And it's really useful. And it's, and it's made so many things much easier because I have a tool to do what needs to be done. Family, God is making you into a tool to do what he wants to do. You're going to be his 10-in-1 tool to bring about salvation and redemption and restoration, to bring about healing and supply. Some of you have, were, were crafted for this moment. You, you were prepared right just for this moment. You know, you've been waiting in the wings, and God's about to just open up the gates for you to run. He's making us into something. God has brought us to this point, family. He's given us a call to follow. And he's given us promises to hold. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you did in Jesus Christ. That all of this is predicated on his life and death and resurrection. That we can believe the promises are to us because of what he did, that we are found to be in Christ. As we put our trust in you, God, we thank you that, that we can know that you are at work. Because we trust in you, Jesus, we can know that what was began in us, what, what has begun in us, will be completed. God, we thank you that because of Christ, we can know that you will be with us to the ends of the age. Jesus, help us not to forget that. Or glue our eyes to your son. Help us to look at him, to consider him, to med meditate on him in your word. Some of you may be in this room because you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've looked at your circumstances and you haven't been able to make sense of them. And my encouragement to you would be that, that God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. And it begins with turning away from everything you know to be sin and turning to him. The Bible calls that repentance, turning away from your sin and then trusting in Jesus to be the one who is Lord or master, the boss of your life, but the one who, the one who is also your savior, the one who saves you from the cost of our sin, the punishment of our sin. If you want to trust in Jesus today, and you're in the room, just, just shoot your hand up. We'd love to pray a prayer with you. There's nothing magical about the prayer. Awesome. Once, once your hand's up, you can put it down. If you're online, you can click the button to talk to one of our hosts. And all you need to do is to pray this. Jesus, I want to stop doing all the things that are wrong, all the things that I know are against your will, and I want to follow you. I want to trust you, Jesus. Help me to live 
in a way that trusts you. Help me to trust you in my life. God, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing in Sterling. God, we thank you for what you're doing in Capitol Hill. We thank you for what you're doing in Chantilly. We thank you for what you're doing in this, the Latino congregation and the Korean congregation and all the English-speaking congregations. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in the churches that aren't associated with Grace Covenant Church. God, we thank you that you are a big God who is doing a lot of things and that you are going to complete those things to your glory and our joy. God, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.